already taken the first step. God has come to us. We read in Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus. In Matthew 1, 23, this is what Adele read for us. All this took place to fulfil what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Why don't we pray for a minute and ask God to help us understand what that means and what it means for Christmas as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that um, we uh, can come together today and we thank you for your mercy to us. We thank you that you've revealed yourself to us in the Lord Jesus. We celebrate that. We give thanks for it. Uh, Lord, help us to understand more of what it means today. In Jesus' name, amen. So this Christmas, what I've done, I've stolen a line, and I was actually thinking I might, I might each, each, you know, each of these sermons that we walk, that I, I was going to walk, walk to the lectern here with this song playing in the background, but then I found this cool video and I wanted to play that. So unfortunately, you have to sing it to yourself. You know the Bing Cosby song, I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas. So if you might be too young, I've never heard of that, and this is some old guy wearing a funny hat. Um, but it's quite a well-known, it's probably the, the first... Real, he's the original crooner, Bing Crosby. That's what he's saying. He's most famous for this song, "I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas." Now, I wonder what I wonder what type of Christmas you're dreaming of. Um, hoping for, maybe. Probably not a white one. Uh, if that's the case, you're. I think you're in the wrong hemisphere. Although each year I remember that someone once told me that it snowed on Christmas Day in the 60s in Robertson. There's hope for us yet. That could be one of those sort of rumours that go round Robertson, but who knows? That's what I've heard. Anyway, maybe you're dreaming of a, um, well, a happy Christmas, you know? Friends and family together, getting on, laughing, good food. Well, that's the sort of Christmas you're going for, uh, you're hoping for. Maybe you're hoping for a, a sunny Christmas, or maybe you're hoping for a wet, rainy one. Um, I think most people around Australia are probably hoping for a wet, rainy one. A peaceful Christmas, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? A restful Christmas, holidays, sun, sand, surf, all those good things. The truth is, though, that these are just dreams for many of us. They're far from reality. Christmas is often, a, a, is often far from happy or peaceful or restful. For many people, Christmas is a time of intense loneliness, that's the type of Christmas many of us are dreaming of. Friends and family gathered around, well, that remains a dream. So today, I want to tell you and perhaps remind you of a friend who is not simply a friend we may want, but more importantly, a friend that we all need. And that, of course, is God the creator of the universe, the, the, the all-powerful, everlasting, sovereign, holy God. Now, how on earth is that possible, you ask? How can I be? Why on earth would God, why on earth would God want me to be his friend? You, know, you, you, you might say that, oh, I'm hardly the most reliable, loyal friend. Uh, 
Like anyone else, I've rejected him. I've ignored him so many times. I've basically lived my life without him. I imagine if I treated my friends down here like that, they wouldn't be my friends anymore. Why on earth would God be interested in me? Ever ask that question? Well, the truth is, uh, the Bible tells us that everyone has rejected God or ignored him. Romans 3 tells us that. It uses the word we've fallen short. We live our lives without him. And the Bible calls that attitude sin. And it's clearly not good for any relationship we have with God. So what has God promised he would do about this? Well, the Bible tells us that he won't let us rebel forever. We won't get away with it. See, God is, God is interested. He's big, in, big on justice. He is. The Bible speaks of the consequences of our sin, and that is death and judgment. Our sin, in truth, separates us from God. It's like a barrier between us and God. We can't relate to him because of it. Now, I don't know if you heard, it was only in November. November, I can't remember the date, I think it was the 9th. But that was the 30th anniversary of the um, Berlin Wall being taken down in 1989. I remember it quite clearly. I was in year 10, I think, <laughs> something like that. Now, there's a great picture of it. Uh, apparently, you know, people got a bit of their own Berlin Wall, and uh, apparently there's about three Berlin Walls of material floating around the earth today. Um, but anyway, if you've come across a bit of Berlin Wall, then you're lucky, maybe. Uh, the 30th anniversary of the Berlin Wall. See, what it, it separated East and West Berlin, and uh, at the height of the Cold War, the East built the wall to keep the Western fascists, that's what they said, to keep the Western fascists from entering and undermining the socialist state. That's, um, that was the line. So the wall separated families, didn't it? It separated friends and neighbours. Contact was just not possible. It, it was a great divide. The wall, it was, there was a wall between them. That, that's what sin does between us and God. And the consequences are serious. They're deadly serious. Sin makes us enemies of God. And if we go on rejecting God, the promise of God is that one day when we all meet him, well, we'll be judged and God will reject us. Now that justice sounds, I don't know, but that sounds hard, doesn't it? It does sound hard. Remember at the start, we actually said that the message at the very heart of Christmas was that God has already taken the first step. So I, I guess I disagreed with God friending me. Um, and so let's not get confused by that TV show. God's not sitting around waiting for us to show some initiative. And God's done that. And simply because of his love for us, God sent his own son into the world, the baby, the man, Jesus Christ. God sent Jesus to be our saviour, saving us from the consequences of our sin, and that is death and judgment. Remember what the angel said to Joseph about Jesus. So this is again from that Matthew reading. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So Jesus died. Look at that last little phrase there. Jesus died. Jesus saved us by dying for us taking the punishment for our sin on himself so we could be forgiven, so we could be friends with God. 
and no longer enemies. That's what, that's, our, that's what our sin makes us of God, enemies of God. So the Berlin Wall of sin was broken down and broken down by God. The way was opened up by the death of his son. And don't think for a minute too that Jesus had no choice in the matter. We've got to read the account of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus chose to go to the cross for us. You often hear that Christians say Jesus is the reason for the season. Um, We could say the cross is the reason for the season and still be fairly on the money, I reckon. Imagine for a minute, imagine for a minute that, that to be friends with someone, you had to prove your worth. Wouldn't be a very good friendship, would it? You hear stories of, you know, clubs and, um, uh, well, uh, university groups, really, that have these initiation rites that they have to follow for them to be accepted. So when I did my teaching degree quite a while ago now, uh, the new students at St John's College at Sydney Uni, which unfortunately has a bit of a bad name these days because they got up to mischief, but anyway, they, um, they had to carry around with them these new students, a large teddy bear. Now, they had to do it, they had to carry it with them wherever they went. Now, I mean wherever they went. So to the bathroom, to the shower, um, to lectures, when they were going out with their friends, wherever they went, they had to carry this ridiculously huge teddy bear. Now, I actually remember one time, um, because there was a guy in my my year group at, um, I've got some vague memory of this, but one year they changed it to a chicken. So they had to carry a chicken with them everywhere they went. Everywhere they went. I remember sitting in some lecture. I don't know, I don't know if it was a PDHP one. That was my teaching degree. I think it was like anthropology or something, a lecture that I hardly ever went to. Um, but anyway, I heard this in the back of the theatre and there is this St John's College guy carrying around a chicken. The point is they had to prove their worth. They had to prove their worth to be accepted. And it struck me, that's hardly a very good way to start a relationship, is it? To start a friendship, proving your worth to be accepted. But here's the good news at Christmas time. And that is that God comes to us in Jesus. He breaks down the wall of hostility so we can be friends with him and no longer enemies. In other words, we don't have to prove ourselves to God. and In fact, we can't. We can't. We all fall short. And said, Jesus has done all the proving that's needed on the cross. I was sitting in emergency yesterday. Um, uh, Wes was getting parts of his knee removed. Uh, there's some bits still left over, you'll be glad to know. And if you'd like to see that certain part, talk to him. It's exciting. And a bit gory, but anyway, we kept it. Um, <laughs> it's great, isn't it? We love it. It's in our freezer. Um, so we've got this anthro- what's it, what's it? Ar- arthroscopy, that's what it is, isn't it? Yeah, arthroscopy, okay. But when I was sitting there waiting in, this, in the emergency department, that's where, we, where he started and finished the operation, um, I was struck by all the Santas. Well, the Santa pictures everywhere. Uh, they were on beds, they were on desks, they were on name tags, soap dispensers. I, I presume they were probably stuck in the dunnies as well, who knows? Um, at Christmas time, we talk a lot about Santa. Now, I'm not going to do a Santa bash. It's okay. Santa's pretty safe here. But I want to consider just for a minute, as we think about being friends with God and what that means, I want to I us to consider the differences between Jesus and Santa. This is a little, a little screenshot from a video I showed about three years ago. Um, it's a cool little picture. Anyway, 
So what are the differences between Santa and Jesus? And when, then after we've done that, we'll come back to this idea of proving your worth and being, earning acceptance by God to be his friend. So, okay, Jesus and Santa. Well, both, we're told, love children, all right? Although I reckon Santa's acceptance of children is actually conditional. We'll get back to that in a minute. Their choice of clothing is quite different. So clearly Santa loves velvet and Jesus doesn't. Um, although he, he just followed the fashion of his day, didn't he? But he did, did some questionable footwear choices. Uh, leather sandals, they were never in at all. Uh, both had beards. <laughs> both had beards. That's true. One had a longer one than the other. I'm just presuming Jesus had a beard. Uh, he was a Jewish man of the day, so that's what they did. That's what they go, went with. Both had funny sort of last names, so Christ and Claus. But Christ, well, Christ is more of a title, isn't it? We'll get to that another time, another sermon. Here's another one. Apparently they both know everyone's name. That's the tradition with Santa. But here's the difference that I think matters. The others you can take or leave, all right? Acceptance with Santa, I think I've got this right, acceptance with Santa comes down to the naughty or nice principle. You would have heard of that. So to be Santa's friend, well, basically, you've got to earn it. All right? You've got to be good. You've got to be nice. You've got to be on the nice list. There's a nice list and a naughty or nice list. Right? You've got to be on the nice list, and then you'll get the presents or more presents. I think that's how the logic goes. But with Jesus, it's very, very different, isn't it? Jesus accepts us no matter how bad we are. No matter what you've done, he still loves us. It's unconditional. In the Bible, it's called grace, love that's undeserved. Remember, he saves us from our sins, Matthew chapter 1. This love of God is a gift. It's a gift of friendship, and it's unconditional. Now, if you ask me, that is real friendship. And when compared to our earthly friendships, God's promise is that he'll never leave you or forsake you. You'll never be alone when you have Jesus as your saviour. That's the promise of Jesus following his resurrection. It's pretty much the last thing he said to his disciples right at the end of Matthew's Gospel. You might remember it. We looked at the start of Matthew's Gospel and then we now look at the end. The end says, Jesus says, I'm surely I am with you to the very end of the age. He said, just a few days earlier, Jesus had promised his Holy Spirit to all who believe in him. Jesus described his promised spirit as a helper or counsellor. See, as we believe in Jesus as our saviour and lord of our life, as we come to him in trust and repentance, his spirit dwells in us and helps us to follow him. His spirit reassures us that he is with us to the very end of the age. It's a wonderful gift from God, that the spirit, he is a wonderful gift from God. So we ought to know this. If today or tomorrow or the next, you're dreaming of a lonely Christmas, you need to hear this. Whatever life throws at you, whatever situation you're in, whether you're surrounded by hordes at Christmas time or whether you're on your own, Jesus is with you. Statistics tell us that one in four Australians reported feeling lonely each week. That's from the 2018 Loneliness Report, it was called. 
Uh, one in two sometimes or always feel alone. 30% of people say they don't belong to a friendship group. Uh, Relationships Australia found that one in 10 Australians currently lack social support. They're staggering statistic, statistics, I think, aren't they? And I reckon that they're a sad indictment on our, on our society. But if you're a Christian person, and we've heard today, what a friend we have in Jesus. I hope you've heard that, to quote the old song. If you're a Christian person, we actually have a responsibility to love and care for the lost, the lonely, the downcast. Have a read of 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4 with me. And it's where the Apostle Paul praises God for the comfort we receive in Jesus, but then tells us of the purpose of being comforted by God so we can comfort others. Have a look at these words. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles. Why? What's the purpose of God's comfort? So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we receive from God. Let's wrap a few things up here together. Christmas reminds us that God has sent us a friend request. If you want to put it that way. And that friend request came in the form of a man, God's own son, Jesus. So unlike the TV show, God has actually taken the first step. The step that matters really, the most important step. He's come to us in Emmanuel, Jesus. The one Isaiah prophesied some 800 years earlier, this is the passage that Andrew read to us, who will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. If you're someone who is not sure where you sit with God, and I must admit, I admit sometimes, when I get a Facebook friend request on Facebook, uh, I'm a bit slow in accepting it. And sometimes I even refuse to res- re- refuse. I deny a friend request from someone. Usually if it's one of my children's friends, I- I'm not going to be your friend on Facebook. That's just weird. Um, go find your own friends your own age. Um, <laughs> so don't try. Uh, and I don't do friend requests with people who I don't actually know personally. So that's really weird. So some guy from the other end of the... some someplace. (laughs) I'll stop there. I'm not going to do it. Maybe you're a little like that with God, you know. Uh, This friend request has been sitting there on your screen for a while and you've just been ignoring it. Or maybe you've just simply rejected God's offer. Today's the day to make a fresh start. To click confirm, to accept Jesus as your friend, your saviour and your Lord to come to him and say sorry for the way you've treated him and ask God to help you to obey him and follow Jesus. See, at Christmas time, uh, possibly more so than any other time, if you've already confirmed Jesus as your friend and you're no longer enemies because of your sin is dealt with by, by his death on the cross, then we have this responsibility to comfort the lonely, the downcast, just as God comforts us. So let me ask you a question if that's you, if you've clicked that confirm box and you've done it for many years. What are you doing this year at Christmas time to comfort the downcast, the lonely, as God comforts us? How about I pray? Father, we want to thank you today that you have um, 
that you've sent your, your son Jesus that you've taken that, taken the initiative. Lord, we pray that we would um, respond today with either thankfulness, knowing that we are saved and we are your friend, or today we might respond with taking that, that step, that, that step of, um, of trust and, and repentance and coming to you and following you and, and being your friend. Lord, today we also pray that as we respond, we would look after the lonely, uh, the downcast, those who need comfort, knowing, Lord, that you have comforted us in our troubles and knowing, Lord, that you are with us wherever we go. Lord, thank you that you love us dearly. Thank you for your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.